Friday, Fight Fans. Welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. Follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. You can follow me at the Dan Urban. You can follow the podcast at Couchside Judges. And you can subscribe wherever you listen. And if you like the show, please give us a five-star review. And head over to abcboxing.com to read the scoring criteria because we're going to talk about MMA judging. As always. You know, Dan, I had it wrong the other day. I thought that PFL was going to be on Thursday as it had been, but it's actually going head-to-head with Bellator. That's interesting. On Friday. My dad is going insane right now. The Yankees must have just won. All right. Um, but yeah, PFL is on Friday and not Thursday. So mystery solved. Yeah, you probably figured that out when Thursday went by and PFL didn't happen. But that's okay. We we had, we had mentioned it the other day on our show that we thought it was gonna be Thursday. We just got it mixed up, and uh, and that is uh, this is actually the last time we'll see PFL until August anyway. So there's gonna be a little bit of a break uh, between then and uh, yeah, and then it'll go back to kind of our our typical you know. UFC most weekends, Bellator every so often, and, and uh, a little a little more easier to manage the MMA world. Yeah, it's been okay. I mean, Bellator has been uh, nothing really special since uh, the Grand Prix has not been happening. Taking a little bit of a hiatus. Yeah, they, they, they took their little break there. Um, but of course, next month, they'll be back to finish off the Featherweight Grand Prix with, honestly, it's hard to not get hyped about. Patricio Pitbull and AJ McKee. That's a that's really a fight. awesome fight. Yeah, that's a fight. In our like that's that could be potentially the best featherweight fight we get all year, especially if Ortega and Volkanovski don't end up fighting at some point because I mean we had it delayed once, you know, never know. Never know. So, but either way, it, you know, I don't think it needs I don't think one diminishes the other or lifts the other up. It's just that we're going to get a really awesome featherweight fight in Bellator next month. But uh this this one we'll we'll talk about it later, but I'm I'm not as hyped about this card to be honest. Ah, oh, me either. But before we do that, as custom, we have a past judgment for you guys heading into uh, the fight weekend. But this one has nothing to do with any of the competitors this weekend. It does have to do with someone uh, part of the PFL broadcast team, Randy the Natural Couture. Good old Randy Couture. One of my favorites when I first started. I remember you said one of the first fights that uh, that kind of got you into it. You remember watching it? It was him against uh, Tim Sylvia, right? Yeah. I had I talked to Randy today, earlier today. We're 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 on Wednesday here this week, and he did mention that even though you know him and uh, Tim Sylvia are friends, uh, obviously they had this fight. You know. Okay. They're still friends to this day. Tim Sylvia got married recently, I believe, is what he told me. Yeah. Was it to the girl he went on that blind date show with? I don't think so he took the belt there i as you should <laughs> dan tell me you wouldn't that's true i would definitely take if i won the ufc belt i'd take it everywhere i ple- i'm pretty sure that was one thing i remember about tim sylvia is he, is he like took it to like the grocery store <laughs> and took it like everywhere or whatever. why not yeah it's true you know what you earned it but yeah so we've got it's it's not actually that fight we're not doing a couture against tim sylvia we're going back 20 years to the early days of the of the actual unified rules mixed martial arts, even wow, very early they they were still referencing the fact of oh these these new rule changes, <laughs> talking about the unified rules during this fight, and that fight is of course the first of two battles between Randy Couture and Pedro the Rock Hizo. It was a fun fight. 
It was a fun fight. This when this I happened, it was one bit. of the you know it was one of the best fights of the year. Uh, there were some points I was like, oh no, what are we in for? What do you mean? Like round two. I mean, we'll get deep we'll into get, it. We'll but... get, I mean, I, I thought we were like in for a heavyweight schlock fest. Oh, uh, okay. And I was like, oh no, we knew, it was, we, we knew it was a decent fight. We knew going into this, this was going to be a fight we'd enjoy. There was things that, about it that I didn't expect. All right, that's fine. That's fine. Well, keep in mind, this is eight years after UFC one. Sport still growing, right? You know, be fair. The thing is, I mean, I don't want to give too much away, but I, I expected. I, well, I'll talk about it when we get into it. Yeah, save it. Bite your tongue. You know what you can do though. If you want to talk, if you want to talk, why don't you introduce how we do pass judgment? All right. Fair enough. CSJ criteria is basically the same as the ABC criteria, which, as we mentioned earlier, is available at abcboxing.com. Like certified judges, we score rounds based on the three Ds, damage, dominance, and duration. We just made a few key changes. 10-9 round is a competitive round in which neither fighter checks one of the three Ds by a large margin. 10-8 can be considered for just one D, but should definitely be given when two Ds are achieved. And a 10-7 is available for checking off two Ds, but must be given for all three. We've discarded tiebreakers for effective aggression and area control as these are rarely used by judges anyway. The rare 10-10 would only be given in largely uneventful rounds. All this helps provide for more varied scores that should more accurately reflect what happened in a fight. All right, Scott, set it up. The natural versus the rock. So we're coming up just in, just a couple weeks away from UFC 264, right? Yes. This is UFC 31. Quite a bit away. Very early on. And this wasn't even monthly shows at this point. So, you know, you just got a couple a year. Uh, so UFC 31, this was the headliner. Heavyweight title fight. Makes sense. Uh, at Trump Taj Mahal in Atlantic City on May 4th, 2001. Now, Taj Rand- has a special place in my heart. Why is that? I spent, I spent a lot of time there. And how much money? I think I'm ahead. Okay. I think I'm a winner. Right. I spent time in the poker room. I never went into the pit. And, it, it, you know, Taj is like poker haven i mean it's not it's not the taj anymore it's the hard rock or something but the poker room there was legendary i my main thing that happened at taj was i was playing roulette and i was up 400 bucks all right and i walked away and my buddy was over at the poker tables because i don't play poker uh and he was still playing and he wasn't quite ready to go so i didn't really be like yo i'm up let's go Father's uh, screaming at the TV. Again. All right, something else <laughs> happened in the Yankee game. Apparently, we will have to catch up on the Yankee yeah. game later. But, but uh, you know, to wrap up this anecdote here, yeah. So I, I didn't mention the fact that I was up, and I was like, okay, you just keep playing. I'll, I'll go do something. It was during the World Series. It was when the Rockies were playing the uh, the Red Sox, right? That that was the matchup. Do you remember that matchup? Or am I making that up? Rockies Red Sox in the World Series. Yeah, didn't that happen? I want to say Cardinals Red Sox. Well, that happened too, but I'm almost positive that there was a... Actually, let's just look it up really quick. I'm looking it up here. I don't remember the Rockies being in a World Series. They got there one time, and I'm almost positive against the Red Sox. And it, it was indeed the Red Sox. This was October of 2007. Okay. So yeah, this we'll pinpoint it right there. Uh, I didn't. So I didn't tell my buddy, I want to wrap this up, uh, that I was up, and I just kind of walked away. I was watching the game, and I got a little bored. I'm like, ah, let's play some more. And then I lost it all. <laughs> I, I ended up down 200 <laughs> and then i told him later what happened and he's like you should have told me we would have left like, <laughs> he didn't quite get mad at me but he was like upset it was like on his conscience yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh I, I never lost more than 200 i don't i don't play deep on on uh gambling okay. but uh yeah I, I don't even know the last time i've really gambled like that anyway it's been a while at any rate getting back here uh Atlantic City, speaking of, though, uh, Randy, when I spoke to him, he told me 
that this was actually the first time he'd ever seen his face on a billboard okay. coming into this fight when he was coming into AC. Uh, and it was, of course, the I think they mentioned on the broadcast as well, this was the first fight his mom attended. Wow. Mm-hmm. Big night for him. He was 37 coming into this one, 8-3 and three in, in mixed martial arts competition. He had beaten Kevin Randleman for the heavyweight title the previous November by TKO. But between then... This was back when everybody kind of just competed wherever, right? UFC wasn't the UFC uh, that we know today. Uh, between then, he competed at Rings. King of Kings 2000. That that was uh, one of the tournaments. that It was a big tournament. I don't know if you remember this one, Dan, uh, or have ever heard about it. But he, he competed twice in one night in February 2001. So just a few months between, you know, each of these fights. He was in the quarterfinals for his first bout. Beat Tsuyoshi Kosaka. Remember TK from pride okay okay uh who if you recall had beaten fedor by cut to get to this point this was the loss fedor had before he went on that 10-year streak lost by cut and think about were it. they in new york no no this was in japan uh <laughs> human, human cockfighting sir this was not going on in new york <laughs> i get your joke uh <laughs> mr jokey joke master no but just imagine though if fedor had won that fight he would have went on and fought Randy, right? I mean, it, we would have actually gotten the fight that we never got. Fight never happened. It, it was so close. Because of a cut. And and many other things thereafter. Uh, but yeah, it just never happened. He ended up losing Randy in the uh, in the semifinals to Valentine Overing, the older brother of Alistair, by guillotine in less than a minute. Uh, do you know who won, who beat Valentine Overing in the tournament final later that night? Crow Cup. No. I'll give you one more guess, though. It's someone you definitely know. Like, it's not going to be a weird name. Vandalay? Antonio Rodrigo Noguera. Okay. I was in a ballpark. You were. You were. You were thinking of, of former Pride champions. That that works, actually. So, uh, But yeah, very, you know, it was a thir- I think it was a 32-man tournament that they ran the whole year. Oh, wow. Or, or I think it was over the course of like eight months. Anyway, uh, Pedro Hizzo, he had just turned 28 the day before this fight. The broadcast said he was 27. I think they were working with old information and didn't update it, so... That was what it is, but yeah, he was—he was—he apparently just turned twenty-eight the day before. He came in at eleven and one. His only loss was by decision to Kevin Randleman the previous June, before Randleman, of course, lost the title to Randy, uh, and that was a title fight. Between that fight, he actually won two bouts. He TKO'd Dan Severn and he knocked out Josh Barnett. The latter came three months before this fight, so he was—he was cruising, he was rolling in, he had a lot of momentum coming into this uh, second title fight within a year. The judges for this one, John Burdick, Doug Crosby, who is still at it today, and Michael Pasquale, with the referee, Big John McCarthy, in a very weirdly cut shirt. It's a strange shirt. It was so weird. It was, it was this strange, <laughs> wide V-neck sort of thing. I'm sure he didn't choose it on his own. This looked like some sort of weird uh, thing that they provided to him, but nonetheless, he was forced to wear it. <laughs> Sorry, Big John. We, it, it's, you know, it lives on forever. <laughs> videos forever and and the unfortunate thing about this fight is because it happened so long ago that they didn't really care about reading the final scores we have no idea how this fight was actually scored other than everybody thought randy couture won it was a unanimous decision unanimous decision they just said unanimous decision randy wins the end we don't know anything more than that but we could probably take some guesses. Yeah. I, it's, this isn't a hard one to uh, parse through, uh, and we could do that as we go. So let's 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 dive in round one. We're, we're, no more anecdotes. No more any of that stuff. Let's get into this. What's going on in round one? I thought there was a strong round for Randy Couture. 
Okay. Uh, especially the second yeah. half of the round. Definitely. First half on the feet, it was just kind of, they both tied up like they're in a WWF match. It really looked a lot like the cop. Yeah, like, the- <laughs> they just test each other's might. And for- they were, yeah, they were, it was like they were whispering what to do next. It's like, okay, we're going to throw me into the cage and then and I'll come bounce back and throw you in Hurricane Rana. Yeah, pretty much. None they- of that happened, of course. This was real combat. So uh, eventually, Kotor throws him down on the ground and from there he just goes to town. Big damage. Yes, huge damage. Lots of blood. Pressed up against the cage too. He kind of had him pinned there. Yeah, he was he was beating on him for like a full two minutes. I wonder, and you know, just because you and I came along to this sport after this point, I wonder when fighters started realizing. And obviously, he was in a, a compromised position anyway. But he's next to the cage. Like, when did fighters start realizing? Oh, I've got the cage here. I can use that to walk up. I feel like it was much it was, later. I I can tell you, it's different because Matt Matt Hughes always picked the guy up and threw him. And took him to the cage. Yes, he didn't want to be down in the middle of the in the middle with no cage. And then something changed. Oh, we can wall walk, mm-hmm. and it's easier now. Like if you get taken down in the middle of the uh, of the cage, you're in a lot more trouble. I remember Michael Bisping actually being one. Not, I'm not saying he was like the pioneer of this, but I just distinctly remember him getting very good at this, and that was like a good counter to if he ever got taken down, was he, he was able to wall walk back up. Well, that was why when Tim Kennedy beat him, it was so impressive because. It was hard to keep Bisping down. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Easily the most impressive win of Tim Kennedy's career. Yeah. and uh, But anyway, back to this round. I scored it a 10-7 for Couture. I, I think he knocked off damage. I think there's some dominance. And I think he got duration. I mean, I agree. I, I think this is a 10-7 round. The funny thing is, though, and they sort of commented on it during the fight, is right near the end of this whole sequence where, where Randy's you know pounding on, on Hizzo and the finish doesn't quite come, Big John doesn't step in. I don't think he truly got to the point where you really should mm-hmm. stop that, you know, at least based on, you know, our modern ways of viewing yeah. when a fight should really be stopped. I think I think it was a great non-stoppage, uh, especially in hindsight. But they said, oh, maybe he punched himself out. And Randy told me, yes, he punched himself out. It was the first and only time he had ever done that. And that was what I was alluding to earlier of things that I didn't expect was Randy Couture to be gassed. Because that is one of his strong suits was his cardio. I think it was more of so, an adrenaline dump kind of thing. Yeah. You know? So that's how that's how it looked like to me. You know, he he said he figured that John was going to stop the fight. It didn't quite happen, so he had to regroup. And that's what I was getting to round two. I thought, oh man, it's going to be a slog fest. Sure, sure, I understand. Uh, didn't quite go that way round two. And and I mean, for the record, let's pretty much say this is most definitely a Randy Couture round on all three judges' cards. Right. Yeah, this is definitely one of their rounds. For Despite him. the fact that we had, uh, this was back when they used to show the the online fan poll <laughs> after as to who. Uh, I mean, this is basically verdict. It's, it it's, is. It's, it's, it's just all. verdict, basically. But uh, they had it was seventy eight to twenty two percent thought that Randy won the round. Uh, the twenty two percent, of course, being everyone in uh Pedro Hizzo's family, his friends, <laughs> yeah, pretty much, uh, his neighbors. <laughs> Uh, it, no one could have actually thought he won. Anyway, round two. What happens here? It doesn't go the way you expect. As we were saying, Kotor is tired now, and his uh lands that solid body kick early. Randy goes down to his knees, and then he's just getting picked apart on the feet. And the leg kicks from Hizzo were very good. He was always known for these. I think the damage he did with those leg kicks and the dominance he had on the feet, I think that gives him two Ds. I went 10-8 for Hizzo. I don't see any duration because Hizzo never pressed the gas pedal, and Randy really had no offense. So you know what? I went ten seven here. Okay. And I only went there at the very end of the round because he lands again, right? 
Mm-hmm. And that one looked like it actually hurt him pretty darn good. Like, it, you know, there's I don't want to say like Saved by the Bell necessarily, okay. but he, I thought he was pretty well hurt. And this was after, like you're kind of saying, getting getting kind of lit up on the feet, getting hit really hard. Now, it's not like he's getting hit in high volume, but every strike is heavy. Yeah, every, every strike is good. Every strike's heavy here. I felt like in those last few seconds that I my needle moved from 10-8 to 10-7. Right, that's fair. I, 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 I want him to, to push harder. No, I I, I can I understand. Know. There's a lot of there's a lot of time in this round where you know he's not really doing it. But also, look, they're big guys, and he is yeah. throwing with a lot of power each time in, in every strike. It's not we're not throwing out a bunch of jabs here. And, no, this and, yeah, this this was this is, this is proto MMA. This is still a little early. Yep. So it hadn't really gotten to the point of realizing even how effective the the jab is as a weapon in MMA. I don't think we got that until like George St. Pierre was one of the early ones I think of. And I'm sure there are people before and someone's going to be like, no, you dummy, you missed that. But uh, that's who I think of first when I think of like the the potent jab coming to MMA at like championship level. I think BJ Penn. That's fine. That's fine. That's understandable. You love BJ too. So, um, but yeah, so I, I think this is a 10-7. So I now have it tied at 17-17. In our scoring system. That might be a first for the first two rounds. I, for, for our show? Yeah, definitely. 18-17 Kotor I have, which might also be a first. That's fair. I I'm, I totally understand why you would not go the extra to me. I just thought it was at that very end. It, it really depends on how you value, mm-hmm. I think, kind of that end part. Like, did it actually push it for you or not? Yeah. That's the only thing that could actually get you over uh, from the 8 to the 7 in our scoring. Otherwise, yeah, it's it's just a good, very strong round for Hizo. Um, but actually, also, I don't think you noted this in this round. Randy, he pointed out to me one of the things that he really remembered kind of getting, you know, from this fight and giving him problems was when there was that you know, high kick that was thrown oh, to Randy yeah. and he blocks it. Yeah. But he punches himself in his own like with his own hand into the nose, breaks his nose <laughs> and he's, you know, he's leaking from the nose the rest of the fight. So this was another thing that he was kind of like, oh, yeah, you're really tired. You punch yourself out and now you broke your nose. So it's like. What's he supposed to do? So Dan Henderson tells him in the corner, what are you looking at me for? Let's go. Get up and get out there. <laughs> and he had to kick Randy uh, in the rear to get him out there. And it, obviously it, it, it got him over the hump. It, you know, we, we start to see the the uh, the tide flow back in his direction a little bit in round three, right? A little bit, yeah. 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 I mean, he was a... It's not like he found, you know, superhuman strength again, but he definitely wasn't getting torched again. This round, it was more even on the feet. Mm-hmm. Couture's having a, a bit of decent success, and then he gets the takedown, and from there, he really doesn't do anything. Not a but ton. he does a, enough to squeak out the round. Because Hizzo's so. doing almost nothing either, and he's and he's on his back, like, it's especially at that, you know, at that point in scoring, which, you know, we're, we're trying to view this through a modern, you know, mm-hmm. a hindsight modern type of look, but either way, yeah, you can sort of understand, why, oh, the guy's on top, he's got to be winning. Yeah, but at I At least mean, at that point. I still give credit to the commentary. Because they said this round can go either way, and that's like after a minute of Couture being on top. That is true. So, yeah, and, and you know we should highlight who was commentating on this one. It was it was Mike Goldberg. Goldie was here, Love a young Goldie, uh, but alongside him, no Rogan. Rogan was not a regular at this point at UFC thirty. I think it was like UFC thirty three. I didn't 30, quite look it up. Thirty seven and a half. Thirty seven. Oh yeah, okay, that one, the one that that they always look back at with uh, with disdain. But that was also <laughs> the one. Not, not to go too sidetracked here. This is that was the one with uh, was it? I believe Robbie Lawler got a TKO, and that was like the first UFC or MMA fight that ever aired on like 
network television. It was it was like a tape delayed kind of thing, and I think they clipped it. Okay. But I'm pretty sure that's right. I might be spreading misinformation, but I kind of remember that. To get back here to what we were discussing, though, the other commentators were Jeff Blatnick, the late Jeff Blatnick, of course, a UFC Hall of Famer, a, a very instrumental uh, official in growing the sport uh, and, and an Olympian as well. And, of course, Frank Shamrock. Good old Frank. Persona non grata with the UFC, just like Randy these days. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of, you know, it was a, at least a very credible, knowledgeable team that they had at that point. I like that. It was pretty good. But where did you end up going with this round? Because it's, like uh, you ten, said, there's just not a whole lot more to break down. 10-9, Couture. Yeah, I thought so, too. I think it's, I honestly think it's kind of the only way to go when you look at it through mm-hmm. our current lens. Mm-hmm. It's not a strong round, but it's his round, mm-hmm. you know? So that, on my card, puts Randy up 27 to 26. And you have it, what, 27, 20, no, no, what do you got it? 28, 26. 28, 26. I had it backwards. So, uh, yeah, going into round four, anything uh, changing here? Anything uh, as far as, uh, you know, Hizzo kind of getting back a little bit? Uh, He landed some good ones in this round, Mm -hmm. but I think this is, you know, they they clinch again like round one, like they're tied up, but Randy's going to town with these uppercuts. Mm -hmm. So I I think he wins it there. I mean, not a huge margin of victory in this round, but I think Couture took it. I think the the uppercuts were nice too, and then you know I think they commented on the uh, on the broadcast. They really do compliment his style well, mm-hmm. at least for the time. You know, you just don't see, <laughs> you never see this position in modern MMA. You'll never see two guys go in there like that, lock up, stand in the middle of the cage, just hold on to each other, lean in, and and throw uppercuts at each other. Yeah, single single si- collar tie, single collar tie each, just. Like a hockey fight. It's a, much. it's a, it's like a video game position at this yeah. point. It probably exists in like a UFC video game, but it would never actually happen yeah, in a fight. Not today. Not, not for, especially not for like more than a moment. Which, which here we have it for oh, yeah, de- decent amount of time. It's like a just, segment of time. They just stick. They just hang out there. It's very weird. It's like nowadays know. it wouldn't be, be like, oh no, he's going for the Muay Thai clinch. Uh, I got to get out of here. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to be cri- critical. Of course, we we have to understand this is this is proto MMA. They're they're still kind of coming to the tactics that we now are accustomed to and used to. But it's interesting to see uh, this little time capsule. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had it for Randy too. Yeah, I, I, again, I think this is probably the easy, the easiest of these later. Well, maybe not even not not the easiest. So it's it's a solid round for Randy, even though it's not a strong round. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just a clear one. So I have it now after the 10-9 for Randy. I've got 37-35 Couture. At 38-35. Okay, so you on your card, Hizzo needs a 10-7 or a finish. Yep. Which, you know, entirely achievable, mm-hmm. especially with Randy being, you know, as you said, gassed out. He was he was exhausted. Um, Round five, does he get it? This was a solid round for Rizzo. I, I, he landed. He went back to the light kicks finally. He took he took those off for a little bit. He did. He should have been playing them more. Ugh. And they were big. big. Mistake. Um, Randy's shooting out from 30 feet away. I mean, he's dead and, tired. You can just, and, he's just trying to like buy time. <laughs> Rizzo's sprawling, holding him his there. Own. Yeah. His, his sprawling. Get your Brazilian up. Yeah. I got a, I got a good friend named Rizzo, Anthony Rizzo, Pedro Hizzo. What are you going to do? You don't need to defend yourself. Keep going. Anyway, <laughs> he's, uh, he's hitting him with good shots when he's, you know, he's just defending with the sprawl and he's on top and he's hitting Randy with some good shots there. And then later in the round, he drops Randy with another leg kick and follows up with some good punches. Thought the damage was there to go 10-8. I really toyed with it. I almost went there, and I didn't quite go to the 10-8 here. I just I went a very solid 10-9 okay. uh, for me. But I understand why you get there, too. But it's funny because because I only had this as a 10-9 round for, for Hizzo. 
it leaves him a point short of beating Randy on my card. I have it 46-45. And even though we had different scores here, we ended up at the same final score, 46-45 for Randy. Yep. He didn't quite make up the the three-point distance that he needed on your card, and he didn't quite make up the two on mine. So that's he funny. Didn't. It's, he did yeah, not. it's just the way it shakes out. But yeah, I I think on the whole, it's easy to look at this fight and say Randy was like the better fighter on that night. But it was a tough fight, grueling fight. Uh, Randy called it the toughest fight of his career. Really? Yeah, that's what he told me. Tougher than Brock Lesnar? Well, I mean, he lost that one. He probably means the toughest fight he the, won. The toughest one he won. He lost uh, a bunch of fights. I know that's what makes the comment. I like, I think I I interpret that to be the toughest fight that he went through and was able to push himself to victory. Okay, that's how I interpret that. But he did he just called it the toughest fight of his career. Okay, when he, when he, when we were speaking. Okay, I mean that makes sense. I suppose. Yeah. Well, he, he didn't say. Oh yeah, there was that time that Brock Lesnar kicked my butt. That must have sucked. I mean, it probably wasn't <laughs> fun. Yeah, giant mammoth of a man. Like I, I expect if Frank Mir's like my toughest fight of my career was definitely the second fight versus Brock Lesnar. Well, because he murdered me. Like that's what I would expect. I think you're getting into semantics here too much, my friend. I guess. I think I think we're splitting too many hairs. But yeah, this was this was obviously it was a, it was a close fight. Uh, after the fight, we had Frank Shamrock going point blank to <laughs> Pedro Hizo. You know, I I had it for you. I thought you won the yeah. fight. This, yes. I'm like, wow. wow. Wow, Randy's like three feet away. Like politicking. <laughs> it was very weird. Just, just playing to him so he's not disliked. That's what you thought. Yeah, I remember. Um, but they ended up running this back. They they ran the fight again later in the year, and we got a definitive result. We got Randy winning by TKO to again defend his championship. All right. Putting to rest the this little feud, but it, I mean, it was a it was a really interesting uh, year for Rand. I mean, he had he had some tough fights here with with the Rock. Pedro Hizo was was a very good fighter in his day. Yeah, he just couldn't quite get over the hump. It was, a, it was a good fight. Yeah, but that is it. We're gonna fast forward uh, twenty years now. We're gonna come back to modern times and look at uh, this weekend. Where we've got three events going on, like we said. Start. Let's start with UFC. Um, that's you know, it's essentially the main course. Even though realistically, I don't know that this card is distinctly better than any of the other two. It's just you know, it's it's the UFC. It kind of takes center stage for everybody, right? Yeah. So let's uh, let's look, of course, at this headliner here, Cyril Gann going against Alexander Volkov. Heavyweights, because the UFC just can't get enough putting heavyweights in the in the headliners, whether we want it or not. Even though this is a solid one, I actually I actually yeah. like this fight. I like the fight too. Yeah. yeah. What do you? Uh, how do you break it down? Who who do you think is going to happen? Here? So we got Cyril Gon and Alexander Volkov. Mm-hmm. I'm going with Volkov winning it. Um, decision. Go go Plata, right? I'd go decision. Okay. Not Omo Plata. I think Gon's too good on the feet. I don't think he gets finished, but I think Volkov will get the better of him on the feet. I think Gan's going to do it. All right. I actually do. I think he'll win by decision as well. Um, but he he even though his last fight against Jarzinho Rosenstrike was not necessarily the most engaging fight to watch it wasn't the most interesting fight but he showed me a lot about what he can do i think he he's able to stick to a game plan he's able to do it well and and he's able to beat a, another you know talent striker in jarzinho rosen strike although different striker with alexander volkov i think there's a little more um dynamism to volkov's game here so yeah. we would see a little bit more volkov looks so good he does he against, does against uh overeem yeah but i mean overeem's you know, a little older. Oh, but it's Overeem. I know, I know. But, I mean, how many times has Overeem's chin been checked? He's been leading up to that. He was just... 
lost. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if we get a Volkov win here. I, that's that's part of what's so interesting about this is I think we have two interesting heavyweight kickboxers that are able to produce, you know, a good tactical fight. I don't know if it's going to be the most exciting fight. It's probably not going to be some sort of brawl, but I think it could be interesting. And it's not going to be heavyweights that are gassed in five minutes. These guys can I go would, 25. I will even. go out on a limb and say we will not get 25 minutes of Cyril Gann trying to wrestle Volkov. I agree. Very, like very Curtis easily. Curtis Blades did. Well, yeah. And that fight was horrible. Well, that was a horrible fight, but, I mean, that was what Blades was going to do. We knew that. Yeah, but he should have finished. <laughs> Fair Because enough. for us. That, yeah, I understand. You didn't want to do that anymore. But but then it created the interesting uh, situation where we actually had, uh, you know, round scores to discuss from that fight because everyone was like, oh, yeah, I mean, Blades definitely won the first four rounds. Like, well, not really. Yeah, but I'm just saying. He went off the gas. You can see this. It's almost like that fight each round, like his level like dropped and eventually Volkov surpassed him. So if it was a seven round fight, Volkov was going to win. Yeah, but I'm I'm just saying it should have never got to that point where it even became a discussion. I know. I know. I know the great disdain you have for those type of fights. Horrible. Judges for this one. It's in Vegas. Uh, I would expect against Aldamato, you know, the, the same type of crew that we usually have. Uh. What, who, who are we thinking about? Junior Shiro Camillo, Mike Bell, Dave Hagen. Yeah. All that's, guys. That's, that's probably it. That's probably who we'll get here. Um, I feel good about that. Chris Lee, the, uh, the, the most divisive judge that we have right now on social media because everyone just keeps harping on that, that Dos Anjos Felder. Get over it, guys. He actually does pretty, pretty solid work. He had the right winner. Oh, he had, no, he had the wrong no, winner. No, he had the I'm wrong sorry. winner. I'm sorry. He no, had the wrong can't, winner. No, oh, I can't even give yeah. it to him. I tried. I, but, no, but it, look, still solid judge. <laughs> Fights to watch. What else do you want to see on this card? Is there anything that jumps out? I'm going to go with, uh, let's go Rowney Barcellos versus Timur Valiev. Howney Barcellos? Yeah. I think that's how it is. I don't know. Howney? Prob- I think so. He's he's Brazilian, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's probably Howney. I don't remember particularly. We need John Anik on the case. John, John Anik. It might, be Ho- it. it might be Ronnie. Might be Ronnie Barcelos. Where's Where's Anik? Anyway, that should be exciting. Okay, yeah, I, I, I'm interested in that one too. It's a nice band and way bout. Uh, for me, I'm. What's your pick? You got to pick in that one. Uh, Mr. Valiev. Okay, I will go. With, yeah, I pick Valiev too. I'm gonna say decision. Uh, for me though, I want to see Hanato Moicano go against Jay Herbert. Jai Herbert, uh, 155 pounds. Yeah, that's a good one too. I like that one. And uh, you know what? I'm gonna say Moicano by second round TKO. Moicano by sub in the second round. It's going to be a good fight. Uh, So we got second round, just different. uh... Yep. Okay. You want to wager like $10,000 on it? Maybe. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, like I said, I'm a very big gambler. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, we're not doing that. But uh, we do have Bellator the night before, of course, on Showtime. They have a heavyweight headliner, too. And that is Timothy (laughs) Timothy Johnson. Former UFC veteran who left on his own terms uh, to sign with Bellator. He's going fight. He's going to be fighting for the 265 pound interim title against Valentin Moldovsky. They created this title because uh, Ryan Bader is still in the light heavyweight Grand Prix, and they don't want to hold up the division. So this is uh, the first time in a long time, not the first time ever, that Bellator has an interim title. What do you think of this one? I know you don't think much of it, but <laughs> probably won't even watch it to be honest. Right, that's fair. I don't even know. I mean, really, if it comes down to it, they're competing with PFL, so you can't really easily watch both, although you've got a bunch of TVs, so you could. I would rather watch uh, Kayla go to town. 
Okay, you're, you're okay. I'm not sure what times they line up. You, they might be at different times. So you might actually be able to do both uh, from that way. But yeah, I can understand. Uh, <laughs> she's she's much more must watch. I think no matter what, even if we know the results, probably inevitable there. But I'm I'm gonna pick Tim Johnson knockout. Okay, I'm gonna go with Moldavski, and I, and I will I will also say knockout. I'm gonna say round two knockout. Okay. Yeah. Judges, this one being in uh, Mohegan Sun, and I believe it's the last one, or it's one of the last ones at least. That's going to be at uh, Mohegan Sun in Uncasville, Connecticut, for a while. Okay. They're going to be starting to be able to go on the road a little more. You know, it's they're finishing up their little bubble here. So that you know that fight we were talking about with Pitbull and McKee is going to be uh, in Inglewood, California. The wood. Inglewood. They're always up to no good. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, someone said that. Recipes Dupont. Oh wait, no, that was Dre. Dre said that. California love. Just show it. Anyway, uh, judges for this one though. It's probably going to be, you know, the same judges we see up there as always. You know, Doug Crosby still in it, still kicking, judging fights. Um, His face probably won't make the broadcast, though. That's right. They did put the faces on the broadcast. Did we mention that before? We didn't mention yeah, that. Yeah, the, they, they showed the faces of the three judges so that I guess you could find them later and, and try to assault them or something like that, which is crazy. <laughs> like, I think it's I I'm in favor of naming the judges before every broadcast fight but you don't necessarily need to be like hey it's this guy hey it's this guy hey it's this guy go find him <laughs> of course you know the referees you can see the referee too but i mean no one's messing with big they john. showed everybody no one's messing with big john uh yeah it was so, so we saw doug crosby uh, circa 20 years ago uh as on there as well uh you know brian minor is a, is a good bet to be there he's based out there um yeah i, I you know these crew out there yeah, be fine. Be all right. Uh, PFL, they're going to be Atlantic City. The judges for that one will be those same mm-hmm. six or seven judges we've been seeing. We, you know, we we highlighted an unfortunate uh, uh, snobbery rhymes with uh, rhymes with this word from the other day. They're going to bounce back. I think they'll bounce back just fine. I, I have a lot of faith in Dave Torelli as a judge. Donnie Carolay, you know, he's been doing this a while. I'm sure he'll be fine. Uh, and you know, I figure Eric Cologne will probably be there too. You know, the typical AC New Jersey judges. And uh, I think we'll be okay. And I think we're going to get a lot of finishes, honestly. Well, yeah. Because we've got heavyweights. We've got women's lightweights. But then we've also got two very pivotal fights from uh, lower men's weight classes. So let's start with the heavyweights, though. Uh, I'll just give you the rundown of kind of what we got in the playoff picture. Bruno uh, Capalazza and Dennis Goldsoff, they have six points. And Brandon Sales has five points at heavyweight. So they're... I mean, they could they could still miss the playoffs, but they're in really good shape um, to be able to get in there. After that, it's a total crapshoot. Mohamed um, Usman and Fabrizio Verdun, which I think were two of the guys people were at least looking at to potentially make waves this season. They're, they're not even in anymore after uh, what happened last time Usman lost. Verdun had that weird uh, tap but not tap that you know ended up becoming a loss, and then it was overturned to a no contest. So, uh, But he ended up bowing out of the season as well it's heavyweight we'll probably get finishes and and someone else will come out of there and we'll see what happens but i, I like goldsov anyway I, I think he's interesting and sales too i don't know if you have any yeah. opinions on these guys but I, I i sales impressed me against usman just get in there and knock him out yeah sales i like that i he, think he, he did really well against a, a big hyped hype machine pretty much and it's cool that so. he's you know he obviously trains uh with the artium combatants and everything like that that's that's a cool story yep you know um Women's lightweight, it's pretty much just Kayla Harrison and Larissa Pacheco and then, you know, some other women who will inevitably lose to them in August. So I don't have much more to offer on that. But I am looking forward to seeing Harrison again and just seeing her 
Oh my goodness. It, Sydney Dandwa is who they put her against. This was a terrible idea. It's gonna be a murder. It it's it was just a horrible decision. Um but watch her come out and just shock the world. This would would this be the biggest surprise that you've seen in MMA live in your lifetime? If she if Kayla Harrison lost to Cindy Dandwa. It'd be up there. I mean I'm gonna sure. say yes. I would actually say yes. This Not would actually be the most shocking thing. Barring some sort of weird disqualification. If this doesn't go one round and it goes more rounds, mm-hmm. and it's not just a fun beat down to watch. <laughs> it's just a, another slog fest. Uh-huh. I'm going to hope Cindy Danbois gets the decision somehow. All right. Fair enough. Uh, to and make it, something interesting. And I am it. interested to see Pachenko as she continues to you know evolve and potentially become the foil for Harrison. She lost twice last year, but I mean, she also is the only person who's actually gone to a decision against Harrison. And she did it twice, so you know. Let's, let's see how she can do this time. But uh, third I mean, time's charm. I'm still grasping at straws here. I mean, Harrison, look, she's gonna win this thing. <laughs> she's just far and away the best. She's in a league of her own, of her own at women's lightweight. But those two other fights we mentioned, these are very interesting. It's Lance Palmer against Movlid Kaibulayev at 145 pounds. They're up for the final spot in that division. And depending on what happens, Shaman Marais could take. That last semifinal spot, basically Palmer needs a first round finish or a second round finish. I think he would tie Marais, and I don't know how the tiebreaker b- breaks out, but okay. Kaibalaev, all he needs is any win. He gets a victory. He's good. Okay. Big, but let, big stakes there. But if Palmer, or ba- essentially, if those don't happen and neither one fails to get enough points, Shema Marais would be able to uh, claim that spot. So okay. we'll see, because he had a finish at the last uh, event a couple weeks ago when they did that. The headliner here is Anthony Pettis against Hausch Manfio, 155 pounds. There are two spots in this weight class still up for grabs in the semifinals. Depending on what happens, though, Natan Schultz and Alexander Martinez are in the mix. So there's a lot of ways this could kind of break out. Is Pettis in with a win? Or does he need a finish? Oh, he needs a finish. Yeah. Okay. Three points. I don't I don't know that three points actually gets him there. I, I don't recall exactly the scenarios, but three points would be tough. Okay. So uh, there's a lot of pressure on him in this one. If he doesn't get through, it's, it's, it's got to be a major disappointment, right? He really should um, just, you know, first round, come out and hit the Showtime Oma Plata. The Showtime Oma Plata. Yeah, the one he's been secure, saving in his back pocket. Yeah, that, secure that first round finish, get the six points. What do you think of those two fights, actually? Which one are you more interested in, Palmer, Kabalayev, or Pettis, uh, Manfield? Uh, Palmer and Kabalayev. Okay. I think just because both guys can win. Sure. Like, well, it makes me nervous because Kabalayev just has to win to to get through, mm-hmm. whereas Palmer has to finish. So maybe Kabalayev fights a more conservative fight just to not get finished and just kind of squeak out a win. I don't know. The points thing throw me off. I understand. But you know what? We'll move past that after this stage. It's going to be semifinals. It's much easier okay. to follow. Um. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think you'll you'll probably be able to do better. It's at that point, it's just win and you and you move on to the final. So, um, of those of the three events, though, which has the fight you're most interested in? The the one fight. Oh, it's definitely not Bellator. Um, probably not even PFL. It's UFC, just because they're most relevant. No, but forget it. Just I mean, so which? Let's put it this way: of all of these fights that we talked about, we we identified some of the ones we like. What's the one fight you want to watch out of all of them? If you just watched one. Uh, one fight. Mm-hmm. Pull up the card. I'm going to go with... Uh, there's none. You're actually not that excited about any of these I'm three. not excited about yeah, really. That's, that's fair. The weekend at all. That's fair. I understand. You don't have to be a cheerleader. Yeah, no. I got nothing. OSP, maybe, because we might see a, a St. Prude choke or something. <laughs> that. You didn't even mention OSP. We didn't even talk about this. Yeah. 
<laughs> so maybe him. Who's he fighting? Tanner Bozer. Tanner. Oh yeah, that's right. And the uh, the they kind of just put that fight together. So maybe we'll Bozer get was just in there. action a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't happy with his decision, right? No. Well, it was. Yeah, it was a close fight. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we talked about that round one against Ilir Latifi being the the difference in winning and losing. And it was it was it was a weird round. Neither one of them did enough to do it. Nope. Hopefully he's learned from that and will push for it against uh, OSP. Because OSP's dangerous. You don't want him lingering. No, sir. And that's it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you enjoyed us uh, tapping into the time machine and looking back at Randy Couture and Pedro Izzo. I like that. Yeah, it was a fun time. I miss those times. I miss the old kind of UFC, especially the <laughs> data looked hilarious. Oh, that was that was great. All right, that's it for us. Enjoy the fights, hopefully more than we do, or maybe we'll even enjoy them too. But uh, take care, everybody. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening.